Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we begin a brand new series, Recalibrate. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. I'll tell you what, we, we, we definitely have some of the cutest kids anywhere. Am I right? Absolutely. There you go. And I'll tell you what, too. We have, we have a terrific Kid City. If you are new here and you're checking out, you want, I'm telling you, you want your kids to be a part of the Kid City experience. We got a whole, in our student community, we got two weeks of camp going on. We got a bunch of kids all at camp having an awesome experience, growing closer to God. It's made a huge difference in our family. I'm telling you, you want to be a part of that, okay? Um, how you guys doing? Doing good? All right, particularly one person over here is doing awesome. Uh, here's where I want to start, all right? Here's where I want to start. When it, when it comes to navigation and direction, I think the world can basically be divided into kind of two groups of people, okay? Two groups of people. There are those people who completely trust their GPS, right? I mean, it might be Google Maps, might be Waze, whatever, but you just punch it in and you follow the directions, and then there's another group who, you know what, they think they know more than the GPS. You use it half the time, but it, usually you go like, you know what, I think I know a shortcut that Google doesn't know. Okay? And um, I didn't spring this. My wife and I, we fall in two different camps, as you might guess. All right? Now, I'm just curious. We'll see a sh- show of hands here. How many of you, like me, you trust your GPS more than you do your sense of navigation? All right, very good. I think I'm going to be in the minority here. How many of you think your GPS is not to be fully trusted? Do not trust that thing fully. There we go. All right. One of my favorite episodes of of The Office, okay? You know where I'm going with this? Oh, my goodness. Michael Michael Scott, Dwight Schrute, right? They perfectly illustrate how there are two worldviews when it comes to directions. Check this out. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. No, up there. it said right. It said take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's look, a light there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the, the machine knows. This is the light. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not yelling. There's no light here. Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window. Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. Oh. So funny. So good. Oh. All right, well, long before we had GPS, you know what we had? We had, uh, <laughs> we had these things. We had these things here. How many of you ever played with a compass? You ever played with a compass? Yeah, you played with a compass. All right. These are tremendously fascinating instruments. In fact, some people have even said that the compass is the single Greatest invention of all time. Single greatest invention of all time. You have to go back to 206 BC. Chinese people figured out that the earth is like a giant magnet. And this magnetic field that it creates is strong enough that, that it forces the arrow of the compass to point true north. And they invented the compass. The compass is what allowed exploration to happen. The compass is what made possible to travel in all kinds of weather conditions. I mean, until this thing was invented, I mean, every mariner, they, they were terrified 
that somehow they would drift off course while at sea, accidentally end up in bad waters and bad weather and shipwrecked. And if you think about it, being lost at sea, it's almost like this meta-narrative that keeps coming up over and over again in pop culture, particularly in movies. Think about movies, okay? Like, how many of you, uh, how many of you ever saw, um, this goes back a little ways, Castaway? See this one, Castaway? About that same time, do you remember this one, Perfect Storm? Perfect Storm? And there's a whole, I mean, there's a litany of these things. Titanic, Captain Philip, Life of Pi, Poseidon Adventure, or even this summer, Adrift, which I don't think anybody saw. <laughs> but I know most of us remember back in the day this horrifying, horrifying one, right? Absolutely, right? <laughs> and in the middle of the storm, what we need is something to keep us from getting lost. That's why the compass was such a remarkable tool. Suddenly they had something. The mariner did something that would keep them on course. Good weather or bad weather. Storm or calm. Day or night. Now here's why what we're talking about is so, so, so important for us this morning. Every life is going to have storms. In fact, Jesus himself warned us. Look at this in John 16, 33. He just, he just shoots straight with us. He says this, in this world, you will have trouble. I'm going to have trouble. There's going to be trouble. It's been good, but there's going to be trouble. You're going to have trouble. You're going to go through seasons when it feels like your life is turned upside down. Some of us in this room are in storms right now. Can I get an Amen. Some of us are in storms right now, financial storms, relational storms, vocational storms, right? Emotional storms. And through these crazy twists and turns, it's easy for us to kind of drift spiritually. It's easy during those times for us to lose perspective of the truth that we know. Particularly during those times, am I right? That it's easy for us to kind of wander and suddenly we find ourselves in places we never intended to be. And what we need in life is some sort of compass, something that will once again point us true north, something that will recalibrate us and help us find our way back. And so here's, here's what I'm really excited about this. We're starting a brand new series. Uh, I ran into someone this morning and said, hey, I've been gone for a few weeks, but I know we've got a brand new series. Plan to be here all the weeks of this series, because here's what we're going to take a look at. We're going to take a look at some means that God has for us that keep us from getting lost, that help us recalibrate our hearts, that help us recalibrate our heads back to God over and over and over again. Now, one of the primary ways that God recalibrates our lives is through worship. Worship just has this way of realigning us to the right direction, true north. It has a way of recalibrating our hearts and our heads back toward God. Now, now if worship is one of those instruments that recalibrates us, what exactly is worship? What is worship? What does it mean to worship God? I mean, some people think worship is, is what, you know, standing and singing. Like during the music, like we did a little while ago, right? Is that worship? What do you think? I'm going to say maybe. Some people think worship is for only super spiritual people. You kind of look around, some of you go like, some people got their hands raised high and their, head, their eyes closed. What's going on there? Is that worship? Maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe. Right? Let's keep it real. 
Others believe worship something only happens at a certain time at a certain place, like in these walls, right, on a Sunday morning. Is, that, is this where worship happens? Can. Now see, back in Jesus' day, some folks had the same notions about worship. In fact, Jesus encounters this woman who held a, a common misconception about what worship really was. And I want to I kind of go there. It's in John chapter 4. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. It's this biography about the life of Jesus. And before we dive in, I'm going to give you a little bit of background material, a little background, because you've got two main characters. You've got Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Now, Jesus is a Jewish man. Okay, you need to know that. And he encounters the Samaritan woman. The Jewish people, okay, and the Samaritan people were totally at odds with one another. All right, just think Bears, Packers, Cubs, Cardinals. I think I saw a Cardinal jersey in here. Cubs, Cardinals. Think, think that. Kind of, actually, it's worse than that. They really did. They despised one another. And one of the things, this, this may be surprising, but one of the things, for real, they fought over was the proper place of worship. The Samaritans, okay, the Samaritans said they believed that, that Mount Gerizim which is located about 50 miles north of Jerusalem, that was where you're supposed to go to worship. That's where worship happened. That was worship. The Jewish people disagreed. And it wasn't just kind of like they kind of disagreed and had an argument about it. No, in 128 BC, they went to Mount Gerizim and they destroyed their temples and they said, no, it doesn't happen there. It happens over here in Jerusalem. That's the kind of disagreement they had. So this dispute about the proper place of worship went on for years and years and years, and it kind of sets the context for the question that the Samaritan woman asked Jesus at the well in this little village. And here's what she says. She says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Now our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. The Samaritan woman is asking what, her, what to her seems to be the key worship question of the time, and that is, where should I worship? And in many ways, I think it's not unlike today. For many of us, when it comes to kind of this idea of worship, the key question is, where do I go to church? Like that means you worshiped. Maybe you did. And I think it's an important question, and I do, I am a big fan of you going to church, okay? Just kind of keep, <laughs> I think that's good. But I don't think that's the most important question. Where? I think the most important question becomes a little later. And so what Jesus does is he recalibrates this conversation about worship. And here's what he says. He says, he says to her, he says, hey, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet, and here, watch this, he's going to recalibrate everything. He's going to move it away from the where. And he says this, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers, that's really important, who wants to be a true worshiper? All right, we want to be true worshipers. He's given us a clue there. True worship will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Remember that, it's going to work because we're here again. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth in truth. Now remember, this woman knows generations of people who've been arguing about worship. And Jesus then tells her, listen, the where a person worship, it's important, but it's no longer the primary concern. How a person worships, how a person worships is what matters. And the way in which one person, a person worships what really matters. Now here at Community, we challenge people, we challenge every person here, and if you're new, you need to know this, because we want you to get on board with what we're doing, and we think it's going to make a big difference in your life. We challenge people to be what we call 3C Christ followers, to celebrate, connect, and contribute. We talk about celebrate, celebrate is us gathering together like this on a Sunday, 
And we, we celebrate what God has done in the past, what he's doing in our lives in the present, and what we believe he's going to do through us together and individually in the future. That's celebrate. Then we got connect. From the very beginning, the idea of the church wasn't a not-for-profit organization. No, it was this movement where people come together as a community, and we encourage people to come together in small groups to do life together, because together, this is the way God meant for it to be, we can get each other through anything. Encourage and support one another. That's connect. Contribute. There, there is a world out there, and God has this dream for the way the world's supposed to be. And every one of you, when you were born, you were born with unique time, treasures, and talents. And you can help make God's dream for this world come true when we all contribute to it. Now, let me ask you this. Which of those, okay, which one of these is worship? Which one of these is worship? Dang it, you guys are smarter than I thought. Yeah, okay. Because I think some people kind of go like, well, hold on, I, I thought this was, we kind of call it, we're, we're going to worship now, right? I thought, that was, I thought that was worship. And it is. But for many, and for many of us, appropriate, it's kind of that mountaintop kind of experience. And it's a great way to recalibrate our lives. But celebrating all together is not, okay, all there is to worship. Guess what? Connecting can also, as we're going to discover, could be worship. Contributing is also worship. All three C's are a form of how, not the where, as much as the how we worship. And see, just like the Samaritan woman who thought worship only happens on a certain mountain, we misunderstand what worship really is if we only think it happens in a certain place, a certain time, doing certain things. So now, here's something really important for the rest of this series. You've got to get this part. Here's our definition for worship. All right, here it is. Worship, giving your whole self to God. Worship is giving your whole self to God. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to ask you. Worship is giving your whole self to God. What is worship? Okay, grab a hold of that. It's simple. You ought to be able to remember that. Worship is giving your whole self to God. And, and this was the definition that Jesus was trying to give to the Samaritan woman. And what he's doing, he's saying, no, don't worry so much about the where. No, I'm going to point you true north. And he tells her, true worshipers will worship, and here's the phrase, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and truth. It can happen anywhere. It can happen any place, any time. If it happens in spirit and in truth. All right, so let's break that down, because that seems very important, right? What does that mean, in spirit and truth? Because I want to be a true worshiper. How do I do that in spirit and truth? And how does that recalibrate me so I'm really lining up with what God wants? Okay, let's go to this first part. First part, we say, he says this, in spirit. Okay? In spirit. Um, he's reminding us, Jesus says, that worship is this inner reality. It's an inner reality. And when he says in spirit, he's saying when we worship and we give our whole selves to God in spirit, this recalibrates us to his spirit, our spirit to his spirit. It's easy for us to drift from what God desires, from what God commands. But when we worship, all of a sudden, it kind of like, it brings us back our hearts, okay, back to him. And when I say heart, it's your convictions. It brings your convictions back in alignment with God's convictions. It brings our will. You know how your will starts going, oh, I want some of that. I want some, no, it, recount, it realigns our will with God's will. And so while worship, again, is not limited to what happens in this room, I need you to also know it often happens in this room. It could be in the midst of right in this room that I feel my will, my loyalties, 
being pulled back toward God. You ever had that experience in this room? You ever had that experience in this room? Uh, let me, let me I'll, I'll, I was thinking about this two weeks ago. If you're here two weeks ago, we were in the middle of our series, Oh Brother, and we were talking about different pitfalls that come along the way that James warns us we've got to be careful about, and one of them was pride. And we talked about how pride is kind of like this, like this portal, all of the other stuff that wants to destroy our lives. And if you remember, we defined it, we said pride, I don't see if you remember this, pride is not how you think about yourself, pride is not how you feel about yourself, but pride is, anybody remember pride is what? How you position yourself, right, good. And so at the end of it, we, had, we challenged you, we said, you know what? To make sure that pride, okay, doesn't get in your life, you have to position yourself right. And we said, and we challenged you to get on your knees. Remember this? And I'll tell you what, in particular, in this first service, when we got to the end of that talk, it was almost like before I could even say, hey, let's all get on our knees. It was like all you guys, man, you're like all like, go all of a sudden on your knees, even before I got a chance to ask you to do it. I loved it. It was awesome. For me, okay, that was what happened then. But for me... After, we got, after I got on talking, then during the, the, wor- the, the worship time, as we call it, which kind of confuses us, doesn't it? But it turned out to be a worship time. Right over here, on the, the spot over here, I, Dave Ferguson, not the pastor, Dave, between Dave and God, I got on my knees, and I just felt like there was some stuff that God was saying, hey, here's what I want to do through you, but I need you to surrender. And I got on my knees, and I want you to know, my spirit in that moment are you with me on this? It was like it got recalibrated and right aligned with God's. Are you tracking? Give me a little nod if you're tracking with me. See, when that happens, and it might happen in this room, might happen outside, when that happens, that's when you're worshiping in spirit. True worshipers worship in spirit because your spirit all of a sudden realigns with the spirit of God. And your will, your loyalties, your convictions, all of a sudden they line up with God. That's true worship. Not only does he say in spirit, but then he also then he goes on and says, oh, but also in, in truth. Let's underline that right there. Can we do that? Look at this. This is going to be like magic. Boom. Okay? In truth. Worship not only engages our hearts. Or I'm sorry, our hearts. That's my heart here. Our hearts. But it also engages our heads. It not only changes the convictions of our heart, but check this out. True worship, what it also does, it begins to change the knowledge and the understanding in our, in our minds and in our heads. It recalibrates our minds with the mind of God, the truth of God. True worship, it has a way of causing us to reflect on our lives and see where it's out of alignment with following Jesus. And we go, okay, I gotta get back in alignment, recalibrate. Last week. Um, uh, last week, uh, Sue and I and all three of our kids, we got to go to Door County on vacation. It was awesome. It was awesome. We got... We have three adult kids now, and they went on vacation with us. We just, had a, we just had a great time, great time. The last day of our vacation, we came back. It was last Sunday, and um, my daughter and I ran the uh, uh, rock and roll 10K together. It was first time she ever ran a 10K, and it was just, I just, I had a blast. It was kind of fun because both her brothers are very accomplished runners, and she's watched them in races for years. And so they came, and they were on the sidelines cheering both of us on. And of course, they were running on the sidelines faster than we were running the course, but... <laughs> It still was kind of nice, okay? Well, we got done with all that, got back in town, and I hadn't been to church yet, and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go to our Downers Grove location. So I went to our Downers Grove location at 4.30. They have a 4.30 service over there. So I went over there, and Ted, of course, he's doing the same big idea that you heard here last week. 
He was finishing up our Old Brothers series and talked about the four warnings about wealth. Four warnings of wealth. Now, here's the weird part. The weird part, I wrote part of the talk. Okay, I wrote part of the talk. But somehow, in hearing Ted give the talk and some of the things he said, it was like some things just hit me different. There were some truths, okay? And probably, probably where I was, it just kind of hit me different about the warnings about wealth. And in that moment, I just felt like, okay, as we got towards the end of that talk, and if you were here last week, you heard the same talk, I just felt like God was saying, hey, that money you have in your wallet, because I had, I, had like, I had five 20s left over from vacation. I don't usually carry very much money, about 100 bucks. I had five 20s is in my wallet. And it, it was like God was just saying, you know what? I just want you to give that to the mission. I just want you to give it. Don't question me, just do it. <laughs> and I had other thoughts about what I could do with that 100 bucks. <laughs> But it was kind of like some, some of those truths, like my mind got, and I, so I said, okay. And I just, I just gave it. And I don't, I'm, I'm up to speed on all my giving and my commitments to the church and that kind of stuff. But I just felt like God was saying, no, I want you to give it. And see, there's things like that that happen where it, recal- it recalibrates your heart, your spirit with God's spirit, but also your mind when you hear certain truths to recalibrate your, your life with the life that Jesus wants you to have lived. Does that make sense? And that can happen anytime, any place. It often happens in here, and that's awesome. That's why I think we need this kind of seven-day, kind of every seven-day routine. But it can happen anytime, any place. It was about twenty years ago. Um, I took my very first trip to Europe, and while I was there in England, I visited a church uh, by the name of Soul Survivor. It's an awesome church. And part of, the, part of the reason I went there, because they were, they were reaching tons of young people, and they had a reputation for just great worship music, great musicians, and, and really a terrific worship pastor, a guy by the name of Matt Redman. While I was there with a couple other people from the church, they told a story and they introduced a song that's always stuck with me. They, talk, they talked about how, as a church, they went through a season where, for them, they kind of got so preoccupied with making sure the production and the musicianship and everything was right, he said that they almost lost sight of what they were doing or like why they were doing what they were doing. They almost lost all of that. And he described it even. He said, we got to a place where it felt like we were worshiping the worship experience. Does that make sense? Like, because you can kind of come in here and get a little bit of a Jesus buzz and really never change anything, right? (laughs) And they were worshiping the worship experience. So the pastor, a guy named Mike, he brought the band together, and they decided, you know what, just for a season, and just for us, this is what we need to do. We're going to get rid of the sound system, we're going to kind of put all the production stuff on the side, and we're just going to strip everything way down, and we're just going to have people gather with their voices, and he wanted to get back to what they called the heart of worship. And he said, so that first Sunday came that they did this. And it was kind of funny, because he said, actually, you, you know, you have this romantic version of how awesome it's going to be. He said, it was just plain awkward. <laughs> It was just not good. <laughs> and uh, he said, but soon people got comfortable kind of even singing just in acapella, you know, which is without instrumentation, just simple heartfelt prayers. And he said, what happened for us is we began to worship, okay? And we began to once again give, hear this, our whole selves to God. And what happened for that church it made, him clear, it made it clear that worship was not just singing. And worship isn't just singing when the band sounded really good. No, worship was giving your whole self to God. Celebrate, yes. 
connect, yes, contribute, yes, anytime, any place, that my spirit, okay, my heart, and the truth, my mind, is realigned with God, and I give my whole self to him. The worship pastor, this guy um, that I said, Matt Redmond, he wrote a song that came out of that experience at the church called the, the Heart of Worship. Have you guys, anybody know this song? This goes back a few years. Okay, some of you do. And it became like this anthem for them, and then an anthem for churches, a lot of churches all over the world, and even, even for us here at Community for a few years. And the lyrics go like this. It says, when the music fades, and all is stripped away, and I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's of worth that'll bless your heart. And then it goes, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, Jesus. Jesus. Here, um, here's Matt. He's in Atlanta with a stadium filled with people some years later with millions and millions of dollars of sound and audio equipment. And uh, with just a simple acoustic guitar and the keys, uh, it goes like this. When the music fades, well, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's worth, that will bless your heart. God, and I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, you're looking into my lots of things that get in the way of true worship. Our desires can get in the way of true worship. Our worries can get in the way of true worship. Our agenda can get in the way of true worship. Anything that becomes more important or a distraction to giving your whole self to God can get in the way. Even, even music, <laughs> even music itself, even worship music itself can sometimes get in the way. Because worship is this. Worship is when we make the choice that I'm going to give my whole self to God. And we can do that with music or without music. But what it does, it recalibrates our hearts. It recalibrates our minds back toward God. See, that's why the Apostle Paul, he says this, okay? He says, listen, hey, this is a pivotal verse in a really important book, the Bible, called Romans. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, all of you, okay, in view of God's mercy, his, his tremendous grace, how good he's been to you, here's what I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give your whole selves right now. Give your whole selves, every part of yourself. Make that a holy and pleasing to God because this is your true and this is proper worship.
And the point is this. True worship, yes, it can happen here, but it doesn't just happen in here. It can also happen out there. And it recalibrates everything, our whole lives from the inside out. We're going to go into the time of communion. And I just want to warn you about, about drifting and, and why worship is, is kind of like the cure for that. It's like, it's like, it's like the compass for it. We're going to drift. We're going to find ourselves lost. Some of us, even this morning, you find yourselves in places, in activities, doing things that you, you never, ever intended to be there. And consider this. Think about this. If you drift, okay, if you drift just one degree, if it's only one foot, then it's less than an inch. not so bad. But if you continue to travel and it's only one degree, after you go a mile, it's, it's 92 feet. It's starting to make a difference. You're going to get lost. If you're trying to fly from San Francisco to D.C. and you're off one degree, guess what? You end up in Baltimore. Some of us are in Baltimore and we never meant to be there. You're trying to take a trip to the moon, guess what? One degree, you miss the moon by 4,000 miles. I think we have to beware of drifting. And let's, let's just keep it real and keep it real honest here. Some of us are drifting. We're in the process of drifting right now. We're not as close to God as we once were. If we think about where you are right now, you're in a different place spiritually than you were a month ago. You're in a different place than you were a year ago. And you're in some place far different than maybe, maybe you were even five years ago. And maybe for some of you, you never intended to be where you are, but it was just that one degree over years you drifted. And here's what you need. You need to worship. You need moments of worship. It's like, it's like a, it's a, it's a spiritual GPS that reroutes us. It, 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 it's, it's God's compass that points us back to him. It recalibrates us to God. And here's what I want us to do during this communion time. I, I'm, I, this is a challenge for all of us, every one of us in the room. I want all of us to course correct. All right? I want all of us. Let's all of us course correct. Let's just move. Okay, look, maybe for some of us it's one degree. Maybe for some of us it's five degrees. Maybe for some of us it's like a 90 degree thing. Because when we move closer to God, guess what? This is how good he is. Your life works better. Your relationships work better. Your life will have purpose. You'll experience this abundant life that God wants to give you. And if all of us will reroute, okay, as a whole community of people, we'll course correct. Our community works better. This church, okay, and God is blessing and used in ways that many of you don't even realize beyond even this here, this location, around the world. We will fulfill our mission. And if enough people do this, we'll make the world, we'll help make the world the way God meant for it to be. So let's make this a moment, not just of singing, okay? Not just a church going, a place, but a moment of worship where we give our whole selves to God. In a moment, the ushers are gonna come and they're gonna pass out the bread. It's the body of Christ. I want you to take just a piece of that bread. They're going to also pass the cups. Take that piece of cup. So would you hold on to it? We're going to do this together in a moment. Just hold on to both of them. But in the same way that Jesus gave his whole self for us, all right? I want to challenge everyone in here. Let's make this a moment where we give our whole selves to him. Let's just come forward.